0: Do you ever feel the need for speed? Well, experience the thrill of indoor karting at Tampa Bay Grand Prix, located at 12350 Ottawa Boulevard in Clearwater. Call 727-527-8464. They have state-of-the-art electric karts racing around a quarter-mile road circuit. Bring your family, friends, and teammates for some speed, fun, and competition at Tampa Bay Grand Prix Indoor Karting Facility. Call 727-527-8464. Visit their website at tampabaygp.com. Okay, listeners, welcome. You are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, everybody's favorite weekly program. We're going to use some nostalgia, some cool music. Hey, Bill, how you doing? Here, Bill's there. He's trying to find his microphone. I, I don't know what that was, but you don't know what that was. Well hey, Mate, you know, Matrix I Spy, I guess. But you know what? Here's what I did. I, I just was kinda of rumming around and you know every once in a while I hear something and it just kinda of triggers my mind. So I just played the three theme songs, the three T V shows I used to watch when I was a kid. I Spy was out of the sixties with Bill Cosby and uh Robert Culp. Uh Mannix with Mike Connors, and then uh it was uh Streets of San Francisco with uh Mike Douglas and uh The guy with the big nose, I can't remember his name. I think it was Carl Malden. That's what it was. But your favorite (laughs) clip is this one. Hello. 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 This is Barack Obama. This is Joe Biden. I'm Nancy Pelosi. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's right. You know, hey, I'm lucky. I'm on an hour before the debate. I think the debate's at eight, right? I'm not going to be late for the debate, which is at eight. Hey, look, at I'm in a rhyming mood tonight. It's actually at nine o'clock. But it sounds good, it rhymes... Anyway, hey, everybody, run to your computers and Google tan Tantalk1340.com and you can see us live here in the studio. I'm waving, as usual. Okay, don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com. Run to the stuff section and uh, put an order in for some t-shirts and some decals. Don't forget to check out our podcast for our past shows, Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and hey, go ahead and like us on Facebook, okay? I don't have any giveaways this week, unfortunately, but because uh, I had the tickets for the Superboat races, and let me tell you about the Superboat races. I want Say a big shout out and a big thanks to the guys out of Geico because uh, they were kind enough to take us media guys uh, out on the big 38 uh, Top Gun, which was kind of cool because we went out here in the golf a little bit and uh, it was interesting. As, as Gary Goodell is the uh, manager for the Geico race team, the Super Bowl team. That uh, that uh, matter of fact, we had um, uh, Scotty Begovich, Scotty B as he goes by, who's the throttle man for uh, the Miss Geico and uh, and uh, Mark Granite. Um, they were there. But anyway, so we're out on the boat with uh, Gary, and we're going out the intercoastal. And I guess he wasn't real familiar, because when he was giving some of the demo rides to so some of the media people and friends and locals, you know, the mayor and people like that, commissioners and stuff, he was buzzing north towards uh, Dunedin Pass, okay? So really, it's just almost a straight shot, and you haul butt out there. But he decided to go, this time when we were on board, he decided to go out in the Gulf. So I guess he wasn't familiar with the markers. And when you leave the bridge right downtown here by the marina um at at, um coachman park it's a no wake zone and then shortly thereafter just on the other side of the causeway it's you can get up to you know uh normal speed and uh then you round the the turn there the marker okay and then you start heading out to the bridge but then just before you get to the bridge there's a no wake area and then it kind of forks out a little bit so if you want to go out to where the islands are where the fingers are on clearwater beach or if you go underneath the bridge well anyway he's still full bore he's still pushing 50 miles an hour and my son looks over at me. He goes, "Hey, daddy, you know, there's a uh, this is no wake." And I said, "Yeah, but I guess he's been this route before, so maybe he knows." Well, just as we get on the other side of the bridge, here comes the cops, lights blaring, and all this stuff. Now I had my camera with me, but I wasn't exactly sure whether I should take a picture of that afterwards. Gary says, "Man, you should have taken a picture because I've been pulled over three times so far, you know, and nobody has had a camera available." So that was kind of cool. But then anyway, we went out in the golf. We had that thing up to about 64, 65 miles an hour. Did he get a ticket? No, no, we just got a warning. But I figured, you know, since they figured we were the Geico boat you know that they probably would just let it slide but hey you know what just goes to show you it doesn't matter who you are what you are what you're driving or riding in at that point in time you know if you break the law you break the law and you know somebody johnny law is going to come chase you you're right brother that's right that's right oh yeah and the hulkster was down there but before i get to the hulkster let me tell you about uh i want another shout out and thanks to my friends over at statement boat okay todd warner and nick over there they were nice enough to take me out and the first go around, when we had the races, the races were Sunday, okay? Now, they had a 43 foot statement with a pair of, uh, well, about 2,000 plus horsepower. So, anyway, there was five of us on board, okay? And we had the, uh, since we were the second pace boat, we had to go out with all the flags. So, what we did is we were out at the other end of the, tr- at the race course, the first pace boat, which is a fountain with John Carbonell and those guys, that was close to the pier. And then we were way down at the other end, almost uh, way past Carlowell. Okay, so what we had to do is we had to kind of keep tabs on what was going on down at that end of the race. And we had to basically carry out the caution flag, the checkered flag, and, of course, the star flag, which was the green flag. So that was kind of cool. But when we had that little darling out there, he was running about 70, 80 miles an hour. You couldn't even feel a thing. Statement Boats are extremely well-built boats. If you get a chance, go check out their, web, their website, Statement Boats. Um, Todd incorporated a really neat feature into his boats, besides being handcrafted and almost like the Aston Martin of boats. Okay, and I say that because I always refer to cigarette as the Porsche of boats. And uh, Aston Martin is just uh you know, it's a notch above in terms of quality and stuff, because um, 'cause they're more or less hand built and they're built in limited runs. But anyway, the statement boat, he has a hydraulic cockpit. So when you ride in that boat, you can actually sit there and watch the cockpit go up and down. So it basically absorbs all the shock. So you really don't feel it when you're bouncing around. And you're hitting those four or five-foot seas and stuff. So that was pretty amazing. But anyway, so we ran 60-plus out there. Uh, we hung around for a while. We had to wait till all the boats were done milling. Milling means kind of like in NASCAR terms, staging. You know, when the cars get all lined up and everything like that. Well, the boats do that. So they don't run from a uh, dead stop. They run rolling in the water, so to speak, because they can't just sit there. So what we do basically, we kind of get the boat. We kind of cruise forward a little. We get all the boats going. They gave me the honor of holding the green flag. So I actually got to hang out at the back end of the boat with the green flag. So when the when the uh, statement took off, here we are. We're leading the boats out. So that was pretty cool. I enjoyed that. Here's a question. Okay, what's the question? Did you have your nostalgic radio and car shirt on? You know what? I was wearing a Holman and Moody shirt, and my son calls me on the phone and says, "Daddy, did you wear your ho- your nostalgic radio and car shirt?" I said, "You know what? I completely forgot about it." But you're wearing one, right? So my son was wearing one, so that was a good thing. So somebody in the family from our radio show was wearing a nostalgic radio and car shirt. But anyway, on the way back in, because we had to bring the boats back in, uh, actually we bring the boats out. Everybody goes in on their own. But uh, he got that thing up to 90 miles an hour. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever been 90 miles an hour plus in a boat on the water. Um, that's the fastest I've been. 80s, I've been before a number of times. When you go from 80 to 90 miles an hour, that's a huge difference, okay? Uh, that boat just sailed right across the water. That was an, an amazing, amazing little trip. Anyway, overall, it was a great show. It was a great venue. The second time out, you're not going to believe this. Not, you know what? I have a notorious habit of having either my audio equipment or my video equipment go dead at the most important times. I mean, I'm embarrassed to even say this, but when I had an a-, a chance this year at the uh, St. Pete Grand Prix to interview Roger Penske, the interview went fine. But then after the interview, I had an opportunity to get him to do a promo for us. You know how rare that would be to have Roger Penske do a promo for us? Guess what? I had the recorder off. I just flipped it off, forgot to flip it back on, got him to do the recording, Then after he walked out of his uh, motorhome, and we're standing there, and we took a couple photos and stuff, I went to check the recording, and it wasn't there, and I was too embarrassed to ask him to do it again. So that was a no-no. Here at this race, okay, I get out in the boat. I'm supposed to, because we had Mark Neiman and we had a couple other guys from the boat races on last week. So Mark asked me if I would take photos for him. I get on the boat, and of all things the battery goes dead in my camera. Now I got this little Mickey Mouse little cell phone, you know, because I'm not into the smartphones or the state of the art stuff. So I have no way of taking pictures. I felt so ridiculous. So then what happens when we came back in, I ran up to the old Moss Brothers building and actually went into the Winners Museum, the Winners exhibit up there at the old marshmallow right downtown Clearwater. And I gotta tell you, anybody that hasn't seen that yet, you need to go check out the exhibit. It's pretty cool. They got some stuff in there. A lot of, a lot of, uh, um, sets from the movie, obviously, that you would identify with. It's just kinda cool. And it's also kinda cool the fact that that movie was actually filmed here locally, you know. And I know we do a commercial here at WTAN for, for the Winners, um, exhibit, don't we, Billy? We but, do a commercial for Jesus, Chrysler, Jeep, and Bartow. <laughs> <laughs> has nothing to do with it. But at any rate, so go check out that. But anyway, so what I did is I ran up there real quick, and I had my charger with me, and I put my charger on, or my battery on charge, so I could get my, make sure my camera was good for the second uh, heat. So I get my camera, get everything ready, got my gear. I'm hauling butt down to the marina, and guess what? I missed them by one minute because they were pulling out. It was too late, and I didn't feel like swimming after them. So anyway, so I, what I did then is I went down to the beach and uh, I took pictures off the pier. The pier was a great, fantastic place to uh, take shots and see the races. And then afterwards, we went up to the Aqualea because on the uh, those of us that had media and VIP passes, which a couple of listeners won, uh, they were up at the Aqualea or they were over at the Hilton. So where's, was, where's Aqualea? The Aqualea is the Hyatt on Colorado Beach. Well, I, I was I haven't been up there in a long time, but on the eighth floor, you had a spectacular view of the races from up there. It was actually... Is that the new hotel? That's the new hotel, yeah, the pink one. I was pretty impressed with that. I didn't uh, realize how cool that would be up there. Um, that was pretty neat. That's actually kind of a neat place to watch the race the next time. It's not quite as crowded. It's is kind that a, of cool. Is it a club? Is that what it's called? Awkward? No, it's the hotel, but what happens on the eighth floor, which is the pool deck, they had a private party there kind of for all the vip people that were involved with the uh, super races the lucky guys that got the vip passes basically so it was kind of cool Uh, i had an open bar and everything like that but it was a great shot from a photographer standpoint and a great place to uh, spectate watch the whole race Let's see what else we got going on. Okay, hey, this weekend, don't forget, a friend of mine just called me up, Bob, out of Sarasota, and he's in the vintage cars. Now, here's what's going on at the DeSoto Speedway this weekend, okay? It's Saturday, uh, gates open at 5, race starts at 7, but they've got some nostalgic speedster racers there. Now, these are nostalgic speedsters that were either, one of them actually has race history going back to the 20s and 30s. So what they were is they basically were like stripped down you know, uh, Model Ts and, and, and competitors of Ford and even that other company, what's it called? Chevrolet. Um, they're out there, so they've got five or six speedsters that will actually be running around in the racetrack doing exhibit racing. Okay, so that's kind of cool. Not to mention all the other races that'll be going on there at uh, Desoto Speedway. So go check that out. As a matter of fact, this is something that might become kind of a uh, uh, a featured event that might take place at a number of uh, circle tracks around here. So we're going to talk to Robert Yoho over at uh, Showtime. He might bring a uh, a venue up here. I know the guys down at Punta Gorda are going to talking about it. So if you like really really cool old race cars and you want to get an idea and what a feel for what these old vintage speedsters look like which basically just just a picture of model t and you rip the top off you rip the fenders off you know and basically you're just sitting there with a buckboard a motor you know some safety equipment which they bring it up to modern day safety standards like modern day scca standards and uh, they run around a the track they run around an oval and keep in mind a lot of these guys how they got started is in the old days on the old horse tracks that were dirt tracks they decided to go run around, and when they weren't racing horses, they'd run cars. So that's kind of how this whole thing started. So that's going to be kind of cool. Uh, and then also this uh, week, our next weekend, is the Southeast Street Rod Nationals. matter of fact, I just got some mail here, some literature from the uh, marketing director from the Street Rod Nationals. So I'm not sure what that's all about. I'm going to read that letter, which is kind of cool. So if you're into Street Rods and just really cool stuff, be sure and check out the Street Rod Nationals at the Tampa Fairgrounds next week, ten thirteen. Okay, Just so
1: say, show me the car facts.
0: There you go, and then of course, on if you're still into nostalgia stuff and you like old school hot rods, don't forget 10:21, which is the 21st of October. proof will be showing up again with all their cool old race cars, so that'll be taking place over at uh, in Lakeland. So that's kind of neat. They'll have basically run what you brung. So if you got some old beater, they actually they had mini bikes out there, they had golf carts out there, they had anything. So when I say literally run what you brung, get your Schwinn out there. You can run that too if you can pedal fast enough. Okay. And then don't forget, uh, that same weekend is the big Mirror Lake Concourse. Hey, got any promos? Set up a promo or two. Anyway, that's about it. Uh, oh yeah, I want to say a special thanks to my friends over at Just Tires because make sure you go down there and check those guys out because if you need some tires, they're right down here on Clover Largo Road, justtires.com. Today, I had to get a couple tires mounted and, you know, just because I needed a couple of rollies to, to move a couple cars around. A couple weeks ago, they helped me out. They did the same. So, hey, my, say hi to my friends over there, Terry and uh, Russell over at Just Tires. Also, a big thanks and a big shout out to my friends over at the Rip Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo. You need to check that place out. They got great barbecue. Okay. Okay, Corey and those guys, they just uh, they put a mean meal together, okay? And, of course, big shout-out to John and Mark over there Classic Automobiles. Of course, they're the ones that have classic cars, as well as their squad cars and stuff like that. So, anyway, hey, let's drop the needle in the groove on that first uh, I thought you song. Wanted a, I thought you wanted a funny commercial or something like that. You want a funny commercial? If you need a car but you've got credit problems, listen carefully. What? Drive a little, <laughs> save a lot at Jesus Chrysler Jeep and Bartow. <laughs> Jesus Chrysler Jeep and Bartow says, we'll put you in a car today. Whether it runs or not, that's your problem. But we will put you in a car today, regardless of your past credit history. Go today to Jesus Chrysler Jeep and Bartow. You'll
1: be sitting in a car by sundown. Or my name's not downtown day. Jesus Chrysler Jeep and Bartow. <laughs> si habla espanol. Si habla espanol. You like that <laughs> <Alan>? You like that <laughs> <Alan?
0: laughs> Okay, send him a bill for that promo. Well, then it should be Jesus. You know, I'm surprised. But anyway, I, I thought that was a joke. That's a real deal. All right. Well, hey, here's a cool song. Sugar Love, 1974-75. Don't call us. We'll call you. A long distance directly assisted. I will call you Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Ninety ninety, They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great place to eat right on the main part of Clearwater Beach. Located at 333 South Gulfview Boulevard. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill has two floors of food, drink, and fun. They have daily specials, happy hour, and nightly entertainment. Their menu caters to seafood lovers as well as land lovers. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill, 727-608-2065. They're open in the morning for breakfast until 1 a.m. So stop by and visit my friends, Turtle, Eddie, and Polly, and all the girls and staff at Krabby's Beachwalk Bar Grill. That's 727-608-2065. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you never know, you might get a free drink. That's Krabby's Beachwalk Bar Grill on Clearwater Beach, 727-608-2065.
1: Grab that special one and jump into your candy-colored custom or your screaming machine, cruise downtown, and catch American Graffiti. American Graffiti? Hey, baby, what's that? It's a movie. And you, you dig it? Go back in time. Where were you in 62?
0: Is that you, is that beautiful? Sheer.
1: 1, two, three o'clock, 4 o'clock, rock. five six seven o'clock, 8 o'clock, rock. 9, 10, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, rock. We're going to rock around the
0: clock tonight. What did you say? All right, we're back. <laughs> You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Speaking of nostalgia, there's a little thing from uh, American Graffiti. Anyway, it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening, who, like a lot of the guests on this show, is a car collector. But not only is he a car collector, he owns a winery, he has an olive company. But more importantly, you know what? This gentleman is the manager of probably one of the greatest rock bands in U.S. history, the Doobie Brothers. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show this evening, Bruce Cohen. Bruce, are you there?
1: Yes, I am. And, you know, we're still doing American graffiti here, you know. Some people haven't given up on that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, I'm all for it, man. Matt. And matter of fact, it was yeah. filmed in Modesta, right? Right around the corner from you.
1: Yeah, Modesta. And some of it was done right here in. The Bay Area,
0: too. Yeah, some of it's right so, around
1: my hometown here in Santa Rosa and San Rafael.
0: San Rafael, right. My hometown and uh, yeah, Sonoma. Your hometown. Yeah, and
1: <laughs> some of it was shot there.
0: Hey, just out of curiosity, Lucas Films, he's right around the corner from me, right? George Lucas?
1: Yeah, well, he moved—he was uh, out on Lucas Valley Road in the but he moved into the city now. He's, he's stepped up into
0: the big time. In the big time city, is in what? San Francisco. San
1: Francisco.
0: San Francisco. San Fran- okay. Hey, did you did you recognize that band I just played that mu- that song?
1: Well, I think I did. Yeah.
0: Okay. It was the uh, I think it was Chocolate Watch Band. Remember them oh, San- that? Was, oh, Oh, I,
1: I thought you meant Elvis.
0: <laughs> oh no 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 no. We didn't we didn't do well. before that before that yeah <laughs> yeah well hey tell us a little bit about your humble beginnings obviously let's start with the car stuff you know because like most guys uh, you get hooked on cars at a young age right.
1: Yeah, I started like a lot of guys. You know, as a kid in high school, first car was uh, purchased by my folks for me uh, for $200. And the 51 Mercury, two-door. And, of course, it didn't run too well, so I had to work on it and did a lot of customizing. You know, we did those in those days. Everybody liked to customize their cars. So I spent a lot of days after school and on the weekends working on that. And that's how I got into it. That's how it started. And then I got into racing and... uh dragsters. We were going about 200 miles an hour in the quarter mile, which was fast then. Now it's slow, but in those days, it's fast.
0: Uh-huh. What kind of stuff did you do? What kind of cars were you drag racing back then?
1: Well, I had all kinds of cars that I raced, Corvette. and But I got into it seriously with a Volvo, a 58 Volvo with a V8 Chevy in it and a Pontiac rear end and started racing that. Sea uh, Gas. And then uh, went from there to some old flathead dragsters uh, that went about 140, 135, 140 in the quarter mile, and then these guys hired me to drive their newly built fuel dragster running on nitromethane, and that's one car we 200 miles an hour, and that was the first rear engine fuel car ever built in uh, 1965. So I drove that for a while, and ended my career with an end-over-end at 195. Oh. And uh, <laughs> And I decided to build street hot rods after that and custom cars and antique cars and leave the drag racing to other people. But, uh, yeah, I had an accident where the parachute latch broke on the car, and the parachute came off the car on a drag trip that was too short for cars going that fast anyway. And so they had a net that didn't work, and it flipped the car end over end three times. So that was... uh, Interesting. I drove it again after they rebuilt the car, but uh, it was not destined to be my career. So I went on to. I'm still doing street hot rods and building and you know, customizing cars.
0: Do you uh, do you have a shop that you work out of? I mean, did you do it? You're more or less like a hobbyist enthusiast type, right?
1: Yeah, I take I the car. I used to work on them all myself and build them, but. Technology's gotten to the point now, and the, the level, you know, when you show these cars, the car shows, the level of workmanship is so competitive now that I, you know, I have each builder, the painter, and the interior guy, and the fabricator, and the welder, and the, you know, we, we build them from the ground up. And uh, it's way beyond my expertise as far as craftsmanship, but I definitely get all the parts and design them. And, you know, put them together uh, with the people. Yeah. know, it's fun. I oh,
0: love yeah. it. Now, do you do a lot of that stuff there in the up there in uh, Sonoma County where you're at, or do you get some of the stuff down in the Bay Area down there closer to San Francisco?
1: Well, my builders, uh, you know, I do some here at, at, uh, at the winery. I have some large garages that I work in. But um, the builders are really up in uh, what we call Grass Valley, this, you know, foothills of the Sierras. There's a whole bunch of guys up there that are really talented painters and interior guys and welders and so I go up there for most of my work.
0: So that's what towards uh, Sacramento?
1: Yeah, it's beyond Sacramento. Okay. Um right off of Highway Forty Nine, you know, in the before in between Tahoe and in uh Sacramento. Okay. There's quite a car culture up there. Is there? And there is beer too, but yeah, it's actually less expensive up there.
0: You know, it seems like the coolest cars are always uh, found up in that area. You know, you always, when you're reading, are you familiar with bringatrailer.com, that website by any chance?
1: You know, I don't know that one, but barn finds are still up there yeah. in, the in the foothills. And it's funny how California cars are preserved pretty well. Even when they sit outside, they still are pretty well preserved because uh, of the dry air and you know don't have a lot of uh, humidity and moisture, but uh, you know I've, I've got a barn find I'm trying to get to today. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's across the highway from the, here in this little town of Glen Ellen where I live uh, in Sonoma County, and I found a car that I've been trying to get out of this guy for a long time, and it's sitting in a shed, and it's a 1939 Willys Coupe. Oh, in, cool! Yeah. Yeah, complete original car that his uncle drove. Oh wow. And he, he got drunk one night, ran off the road, and ended the fender and they made him he was about eighty seven, They him <laughs> driving, took his driver's license and put the car in the shed and it's been there ever since.
0: Wow. Now what would you do with a car like that? Would you restore it or would you leave it original unrestored?
1: Well, I probably you know, the Willie's car like that is probably more valuable, restored as a hot rod than as an original.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I probably would take it and, you know, this, this, seeing this as all steel, all original body, um, I'd, you know, I'd leave the body original, get all the parts and have them re and the car would look original on the outside. But I would make it modern so he could drive it, you mm-hmm. know, on the freeway. And those little four-cylinder engines they had in those days, They weren't pretty, you know. They were like forty-five horsepower or something. You know what I mean? Uh
0: Uh-huh. Tell us about some of the cars that you have now. Now you're you're pretty much into street rods, right, for the moment? But I know. Yeah,
1: uh, I'm into uh, classic cars that are, you know, streeted for driving, and uh, you know, I'm into Fords. Uh, Just sold a '34 Ford five window coupe that I had. I've got a '46 Ford Woody station wagon that I've had for years. That was the U.S. Embassy car in Manila, Philippines, for 40 years, and it's been all refitted in Philippine mahogany. So it's a pretty unique car, and that's one we used around the winery here when we were picking up people at the hotels. And... Oh, that's cool. And, uh, and I'm into Willys cars because, I, you know, my racing days of the 60s, a lot of the cars that were raced were Willys, 33s and 4041s. Mm-hmm. you know, coupes. They were very aerodynamic for an old car for their time, you know? Mm-hmm. And they used them facing a quarter mile. So I went ahead in the mid-'80s, after the Doobie Brothers kind of took a hiatus, uh, I started building cars again. and had some time when I was managing Night Ranger and Bruce Hornsby and these other bands. But I had a little time to do some of my hobby, and I got into uh, buying Lily's Cars out of Australia. And the difference of Australia Willys to American Willys cars is that they built uh, open cars, convertibles, and touring cars, what they call phaetons and roadsters, and uh, in Australia, but they didn't build them in the U.S. So I found them down there, and there were only about 98 of them built in uh, 1933. And I bought the ones I could find down there. A friend of mine went around there and found me some cars and different... One was it had 14,000 miles on it. It was original. Uh, beautiful 36 Willys phaeton four-door convertible. And I kept that original, and it's in a museum up in Canada now. I sold a museum up there. A guy has 60 Willys cars in a museum, and I didn't want to touch that one into a hot rod because it was too nice. And the other ones came in parts and pieces and, you know, all different kind of conditions, from rusted to good, and, and I built a 33 Roadster, which there was only 98 of those built in 1933. I've got number 27, and that car is, took me 18 years to build, but I've won almost every car show i put it in, and it's a beautiful car. And then I have a 41 Willys sedan delivery, which is a like a panel wagon. You know, they have no windows, like a station wagon with no windows, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the back, and that car, they never built 41 Willys sedan deliveries, and I bought it from a guy that had started the project and spent 150000 on just metal work on the car. He took a four-door sedan, Willys, and made it into a sedan delivery. Don't ask me why, but he didn't want a four-door sedan, I guess, and uh, he made it into a pro-street kind of style race car on the street with a roll cage and big tires and you know a huge engine with a thousand horsepower blown and fuel injected and so i took it home and i bought it from him and he had about three hundred and forty thousand in the car it wasn't finished and uh, i bought it and took it home and took it apart sold the motor because it got two miles to the gallon and you couldn't even handle it on the street you know and I put a new Hemi in it from Chrysler with a nice automatic with uh, six-speed, you know, with overdrive. And rebuilt the whole car, repainted it, finished the interior, and it's a show winner now. So that's a beauty. And the one-off, there's only one of them, and it's all steel. We don't like fiberglass cars here. And my, my group of uh, my car club, which is called the Jokers, and they've been around for 50 years. So we like metal cars that are original henry ford or you know we don't like the fiberglass
0: well you know but, the old saying if it ain't steel it ain't real
1: well that's what we say and mm-hmm. the value is in the steel cars yeah. absolutely that's what i do you know and i buy some and sell some and others i keep like the woody and this roadster i'll never sell and you know it's just they're like children you know after you have them for 25 30 years
0: you're attached to them <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's family
1: well, it's a lot of hours to build one. You know, it, oh. you can't believe the amount of hours that it takes to put in the you know, to build these things. But some people really appreciate the. If they've done it, they can really appreciate the work that goes into them. I when I go to car shows and I look at the cars, you know, I can really appreciate what the guys went through to to build their car, and uh, it's some pretty amazing cars out
0: there. Um, you were telling me earlier too that you now you're looking to uh, expanding into muscle cars a little bit. What kind of muscle cars do you have an interest in?
1: Well, I'm trying to make a deal with a guy today, who's also down the road, who has an original race car that was raced here in the '60s at the race. You know, we have a, a it was called Infineon. before that it was called Sears Point Raceway, right? Mm-hmm. And that's only a few miles from my winery here in in Sonoma, mm-hmm. and. Uh, So we go out there on Wednesday nights, and everybody can bring their car and race on the drag strip. And, you know, they have NASCAR there and all kinds of stuff, you know. But uh, this car raced for many, many years, a 1957 Chevrolet. And uh, it's built into a race car, big tires and roll cage and blown 468 cubic inch big block and he had it sitting out in the pasture for the for sale sign on it down the road. And I it and talked to him, called him up the other day, and he told me the story about it. And so I want to restore it as a race car, you know, that it was and bring it back to its original, you know, the height of a really nice car because it's been let go a little bit, but it's still all there. And so we're trying to make a deal. He wants a tractor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's a
1: switch. You know, that's the kind of... We're up in the country here. Yeah. And uh, he's a landscape contractor, and he's looking for a uh, tractor, and I just happen to have one. So we might trade for the race car. (laughs) Well,
0: super. He goes slow, and you go fast.
1: It's fun, you know. And I was on that uh, show, Chasing Classic Cars, you know, with Wayne Uh on uh, Velocity Channel, and Wayne has a great time. You know, he goes around and sees all these great cars, meets all these people, and he came here and filled my cars. Uh, you know, a while ago, and was on the air with them, and he loved. You know, it's just so much fun. You know, and getting the stories about the cars is what's fun. Mm-hmm. Well, you each get, car has its own story.
0: You guys have perfect weather out there for it. You know, all year round.
1: Well, well, we get rain in the winter, but you know, we have at least six or seven months of pretty darn good weather better than most of the country that's why it's so crowded here <laughs> everyone's here because of the weather but uh it is definitely a place and arizona is another one where you can really enjoy cars year-round and uh there's a big car culture in it in arizona and phoenix and you know tucson those areas and and in california tell us a little it's all of- over the country i mean oh, the yeah. car culture is everywhere but Go
0: ahead. Did you, um, there's a guy in San Jose, Mike Hennessy, who, do you, who used to do Hot San Jose Nights. Do you know him by any chance?
1: No, I don't know. You know I, I've been down to San Jose a few times, and I've been to – there's a, a bunch of great car shows down in Carmel area, Monterey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been going to those, and uh, San Jose's got a bunch, too. But I haven't met him
0: personally. Okay, I was just curious, because uh, he does a, I think he does a TV show called The Car Guy or something like that, but he also does uh, a number of uh, events a year down there called Hot San Jose Nights, I think, is one of them that he does in the summertime, and then he does mm. some peripherals, but I uh, was just curious. I um, could
1: go to three things a week, you know. There's at least three things a week in in Northern California for car shows or car events or, you know, cruise in. We do a cruise in once a month here at the winery, we got 60 cars coming next weekend
0: oh yeah speaking of which tell us about this weekend you got a big uh, it's called the music fall fall music festival that you do your there at your winery every year
1: yeah this is an annual uh charity music festival i've been doing this our 26th year and um we got into it about 1986 or 87 and i don't know how to get out of it it's just <laughs> we keep doing it and it's been raising you know millions of dollars for local and national charities we donate to the veterans the Doobie Brothers. Have been very generous and given their time and and energy to the vets uh, from Afghanistan, Vietnam, even going back that far. We've been doing it for 25 years, and uh, also to the you know guys coming out of Iraq and and we do children's charities all over the Bay Area, uh, here in San Francisco Bay Area, for all kinds of needy children and underprivileged kids and kids with cancer and kids with AIDS and. Food banks, you know, there's still a lot of people that can't put food on the table, you know, in this day and age, and we donate to that, and so we have a great festival every year, two days, well, four days, a dinner auction on the Friday night, which is coming up this Friday, for about 600 We have we raise a lot of money at that auction, great auction items, trips all over the world and stuff, and then we have two days of music festivals and this year we've got a great lineup we've had great lineups thanks to a lot of great musicians that give their time and and charge a lot less than they normally would for a regular concert so we can make money and God bless them for that but uh and then the we do the two days of festivals and then we have the golf tournament on the Monday after the two festivals and so it's a four day event it's great it's a lot of fun and we everything even the food and drinks and all the wine and beer and soft drinks goes to the charity, so it's really good
0: well that's good that's great that's that's a that's a good thing um the band is by the way is the doobie brothers going to be there
1: this year they're there uh both days and uh, it's a special occasion this year for us i thought you know we had the 25th last year so we made a big deal out of that and we had the doobies and Leonard skinnerd and all these great acts leon russell and and uh I didn't know how to top it, and because uh, the year before we had Journey, and you know all kinds of great people have been through here in our little amphitheater out over the looking over the vineyard. And um, so this year, I asked the doobies to come again, and they did. And and so we got now Michael McDonald's coming out to sing with him. He hasn't sung with him in years, and he's going to be here uh, both days and singing uh, along with the band on you know his hits as well as the ones that, uh, you know, Tommy and John did and Pat, uh, you know, over the years uh, initially. So we're going to get the full Doobie Brothers this year.
0: Wow, oh, that's great. All
1: of them. And uh, we've also got uh, Kenny Loggins coming, and we've got uh, Buddy Guy, a great blues player, oh, really? fantastic performer. And uh, we've got Dave Mason and War, Jeez. Turtles, yeah, all kinds of great oh, acts. super. It's be quite, a, quite a year.
0: Yeah, great 60s groups right there.
1: Yeah, we go back in nostalgia, and the audience comes. We have a lot of people come from Florida. We have a lot of people who come from uh, Washington, D.C., Baltimore, New York, Texas, Colorado. I mean, they come from all over, and they've been coming, some of them, 20 years. You know, it's their annual... Visit to the wine country. Uh, it's harvest time. We started picking grapes today here at Cabernet, and it's a beautiful year. It's going to be a great vintage of Cabernet, and all the other varietals look really good too. So we're very happy. Uh, it's turned out to be a really good year.
0: Now, if somebody wants to, if some of my listeners are uh, listening, obviously, and they want to find out a little bit more information about this, how would they go about doing that? They just go to your website, which is
1: yeah, then go to Cone dot com and you'll see it. Um, you can go to the Doobie Brothers website as well, doobiebrothers.com, and uh, you'll see all the things we're doing out here. And if you can get out here, you jump on a plane and get out here and come on, because there's people coming from everywhere, and uh, there's still a few tickets on the Saturday and a few on Sunday, but they don't last usually through the week. But uh, there are some now, and uh, it's an intimate, beautiful, setting, uh, looking over the vineyards and mountains, and it's just quite, probably the nicest venue in Northern California to see a concert like this.
0: That's super. How many people generally show up for something like that?
1: Well, we are, have a limit of 3,000 people oh, okay. per day, so it's not that big, and everyone's close to the stage, and, you know, it's uh, it's really special. Huh? Willie what? Nelson was here one year, and people were walking up and shaking hands with him while
0: he was playing playing. that's cool that's neat yeah so we got uh, we got about six seven minutes left can you tell us give us a little bit of uh, background how you got uh, to be the manager for the doobie brothers
1: well it really was because of my brother margie who uh passed away last year unfortunately from cancer but uh, this year and we seem to every year have something like that and this year we're uh, making the concert uh, memorial to our drummer, longtime drummer, Michael Hossack, who passed away this year. But uh, my brother got me involved. And his love, you know, our love of music, because my folks were both accomplished musicians and singers, and my and uncle were cellists and violinist for the Chicago Symphony. And so I was raised around serious music. But my brother's passion was to be a recording engineer and record producer. And we both got into... Uh, peripheral business. I was in radio and television first, and so was he, and then he moved into a recording studio job, and that's where I got to do these, with him at this recording studio near San Jose, California. And um, we just struck up a friendship. It was about 1969. And it was, you know, when the Grateful Dead and the Jetson Airplane and Creedence Clearwater and Santana and Sly... Slide- and the family Stone and all these Janice joplin they were all coming up out of the Bay Area here. It was quite a scene of music in those days. And uh,
0: at the old so Fillmore, right?
1: <laughs> one thing went to you know, led to another and uh, my brother cut a demo tape with the four member band at that time after we changed their name to they got the name the Doobie Brothers, and we went ahead and sent it to Warner Brothers in LA in nineteen seventy. And uh, they got a record deal, not right away, but it, we did get one. Marty and my brother Marty and, and uh, his efforts got us the deal. And then uh, we cut the album with producers from L.A. They came up and cut the album. My brother engineered it and went out and did a national tour. And they asked us to go because they didn't never, had never <laughs> been out of playing clubs and you know, Ricardo's Pizza Parlor and Half Moon Bay High School and Gymnasium and things like that Hells Angels parties and duck and beer kegs and all that. And uh, we went out on a national tour and uh, it was a total disaster because nobody knew the band and we didn't sell any tickets and the record didn't take off like we thought it would. So it was a real sobering experience, you know, after a couple of years of being you know, on food stamps and brown rice and making 100 bucks a night and splitting it six ways, um, that we weren't going to be big stars right off the top. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So the record sold about 8,000 copies. We got a chance to do a second record. Luckily, Warner Brothers stuck with the band. And Tommy Johnston uh, and Pat Simmons are the two main writers for the original Doobies uh, before Michael McDonald came in and helped out. And uh, so Tommy wrote this song called Listen to the Music called me in the middle of the night and played it for me and I said that's what we need and we recorded that and our longtime producer Ted Templeman Warner Brothers producer uh, said we should do another song called Jesus is Just Alright it was a cover record that the birds had done and we did that and both of them became huge hits and that put us in about from 8,000 copies on the first record to 2.7 million on the second one and that put us right in the fast lane. (laughs) We were touring about 150 cities a year. I booked them all over the world, and we came up slowly, but they delivered, you know. They delivered a great show. They're still delivering great shows. They're great musicians, and they kept bringing hit records. You know, the first record's great if you can have a hit, but you gotta do it on the second, third, and the fourth, too. You can't be a one-hit wonder, and they did. Blackwater was number one, and Rockin' Down the Highway, China Grove, Long Train Running. All those songs made these albums. You know, they sold about 40 million albums, doing 12 albums in 12 years, and uh, with Michael after the first six. So uh, it was quite a blitz. You know, we, we were on the road seven months of the year for almost 12 years, and then doing a record a year for 12 years. And then they took a break, and then we reformed about... Eighty nine, that was eighty two. They broke up. Eighty nine, they got back together, and they've been going twenty three years straight, doing about eighty five to hundred shows a year. Wow, that's... and recording new records too. So they're still a viable, great band, one of the American bands, you know.
0: mm Hmm. Now they originally all they're all originally from the uh, Bay Area, right?
1: Well, they're from. Well, there's been fourteen Doobie Brothers. So the original four guys were uh well Pat was living in the in San Jose, he was going to San Jose State and playing, you know, he was a finger picker and he played a lot of bluegrass and and that combination with Tommy Johnston or uh his rhythm, you know, kind of that chunka chunka rock sound and Pat's you know, that acoustic and that uh kind of finger picking thing made the doobie sound. Mm-hmm. of what it is and the uniqueness of it and that's what attracted my brother and I to them was the uniqueness of their their sound and of course they wrote good songs so but it, it was really uh you know so there's you know they're still going and and they're playing better now than they did in the old days cuz no more partying you know <laughs> there's just, there's, no more partying you know the decided a long time ago if you're going to make the long trip you better Lock your door from the inside of your hotel room, you know, not the
0: outside. Exactly. Well, Bruce, I want to yeah. thank you very much for coming on the show. We're just about out of time here. I want to thank uh, my special guest for the evening. For all you listeners was Bruce Cohn, the manager for the Doobie Brothers and uh, an amazing car collector. And he's got a spectacular winery in Sonoma, California. So if you're ever out there, it's the B.R. Cone Winery in Sonoma, California. Check out his website. Bruce, I want to thank you very much. Uh, meanwhile, everybody else, stay safe, drive carefully, love your family, and we'll catch you at some of these events. Don't forget, we've got a whole bunch of stuff going on. Webster is this Sunday, tomorrow night, Quakers taking and Lube. Everybody else, we'll see you next week.